Hi, my name is Ali Reza Mujibian, and welcome to Noteworthy. For today's episode, I'm joined by a really dear friend and my partner in crime in this endeavor, Duncan Watts-Grant. Duncan and I went to school together, and throughout the years, um, throughout the last eight years, we've become really close friends, basically brothers. When I wanted to start this podcast, I sent him the trailer, and he immediately asked me if he could jump on board and help with producing it. And so for this show, we're going to keep it simple. We're going to talk about the music that we love. Duncan's going to tell you guys about himself. With that said, sit back, relax, and thank you for listening. So Duncan, obviously this is the first time that all the people who are listening are going to be uh, tuning. A lot of the people who are tuning in are going to be listening to how you and I talk and where our friendship really started (laughs) but um before we get to that uh, i want you to take a second and introduce yourself to everyone um what your background is what you're doing now and uh how music's affected you um so my name is Duncan watts grant i'm uh, a a past singer a reformed singer as i like to say (laughs) um uh, I, you and I were at school together. I was, I did my undergraduate degree at UBC in, in voice majoring in opera. Um, and now I live, um, on the other side of, of the arts world, um, as an administrator, um, working for the Vancouver Symphony. I am the operations manager for our school of music, and I'm also the community engagement, uh, manager for, uh, for the VSO and the VSO school of music. Um, and so my, my work now uh, is really on the administrative side, and so I make uh, I make all the art possible is is sort of how I like to think about it. Um, while still being connected to music, I, I still play a lot of music, um, but uh, not in the same way that I, I used to. <laughs> okay, so a little bit about music. Um, mm-hmm. Your 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 taste in music is um, far more in my humble opinion, <laughs> developed than the regular opera singer. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily say developed. It's, it's very wide. Um, I, I listen to everything from uh, country and bluegrass um, to, to unsurprisingly classical and opera. It's, I, I mean, I still work daily in, in the classical world mm-hmm. um, to, to rap and R&B and soul and funk. Um, okay, I did I, not know you listened to rap. That's, yeah, that yeah, weird. not not a ton. Um, uh, and then um, I play, uh, as you've already alluded to, I play a couple instruments. I play ukulele. Um, yeah. I play uh, banjo and guitar and mm-hmm. piano. I'm studying jazz piano right now. the The wide variety of music for me is something that's um, has existed in my life for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, music is something that um, I've sort of channeled energy into in one form or another for as pretty much as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um, there were, there were a lot of jokes when I was a, a kid. Um, I'm, I'm one of three. I'm actually a triplet. Um, so I have two sisters. Um, and, uh, when we were young, I think my parents took us out to, to go and see, um, children's festival. I remember going in to see one of these shows and it may have been someone of a, like sort of a, a Raffi or a Fred Pennerish kind of type. Um, and coming back and standing, we, you know, my parents brought us and we came back home and standing on this box in our hallway, 
Um, and you know, I, I I've only heard the story recounted. I don't have a have a memory of this. Um, uh, doing some sort of performance, and and that was acknowledged from my parents. Like, oh yeah, Duncan's gonna be a performer. Um, the music was was ubiquitous in my house. My dad plays guitar and he sings and he sings in choirs and I sang in choirs with him. Um, but so was to a certain degree listening to music um, and and consuming music. And so that's something that that continues for me um, as a desire to, to search for a lot of music. I think that's a it's a very sort of common thing, especially for for teenagers that sort of like searching for new music and and obsession with music. Um, but I, I think that's, for me, absolutely continued past that point. Um, I mean, for most kids who are in their teens, music is a way of expressing themselves in a world that they don't really um, believe, at least at, at that age, a uh, world that understands them. But then for um, musicians, artists of all kinds, music usually, like you said, has a tendency to carry on for the rest of your life and it means different things um, as you grow older with it. Is there a particular piece you would say that um, that you always go back to, regardless, and every year or every two years has a different meaning for you? It's it's funny that you say that because um, I've I I now I didn't used to this. This is something I've done in the last few years. I've have started tracking every piece of of sort of culture and media that I I consume in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have a list of every album that I listen to, a list of every book that I've read, every movie that I've watched. And so I've also, along with that, been going back and listening to some old albums. Um, the the sort of the joy of having a record collection or a CD collection or or even a digital collection like an iTunes library is yeah. that um, you know you can scroll through and see it all. And that's a lot harder with streaming music. And I think it's it's both easier to fall into listening to the same you know, 10 songs or 10 albums over and over again on streaming music because it's whatever was last played or to not be able to see the whole breadth of like, oh, this is the music that I consider mine. And that also, that relationship um, of of what is the music that I consider mine that I own, whether or not you yes. purchased it, um, yes. is very, very different now. Um, yes. There are certainly albums that I go back to and listen to, um, not regularly, but often enough, um, yep. That ha- that are from that span a long period of time. I think about um, something like Bare Naked Ladies. It's it's very Canadian music too. Uh, it's not an intentionally patriotic thing. It's just what has happened for me. But um, uh, Gordon Bare Naked Ladies was the first album that I like. I I think I purchased. And it's if I think about like what is an album that I owned or or heard, like that's the first album that I really listened to. Um, and and so that is that's another album where you know I'll go back and I'll listen to that. It's interesting you you, you touched on um, the ability to own an um, and a collection of albums or even iTunes. I feel like this is a um, it's a moment in time where I always feel like I'm acting like a like an old guy because. <laughs> um, I'm turning to people like, for example, my brother and saying there's something different. There's there's a different connection when you hold that LP in your hand. There's a there's a different connection when you actually see the artwork in front of you. It becomes um, <laughs> I hate to I can't believe I'm using this, but in, if, if I'm going to uh, quote paraphrase, at least Wagner, it becomes a Gesamtkunstwerk where you're mm-hmm. it's a total work of art where you're not only just listening to the music that's been produced, but you're 
looking at the artwork, you're looking at the care that was put into um, creating this music and delivering it to you. Um, I remember for me, the first album I was gifted, actually, the first I still have it. Um, it was a high school friend, um, uh, Adam Del Duca. Adam, if you ever listen to this, I still have this album. Um, he, before we moved to Vancouver, he gifted me the Christmas album that year, 2007, of Andrea Bocelli. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, I mean, that from that point, my relationship with, with uh, singing operatically changed. It became more of a serious thing I wanted to I wanted to pursue, but I don't know if that same connection would have happened if I hadn't had that album in my hand or if I didn't have, still have that album that I could go back to and remind myself what triggered that this progression. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I think it's interesting that that sort of physical aspect to it and also how we how we view physically owning um owning albums is is funny because i think there's a uh, an undercurrent now as vinyl has made a has made a reappearance especially amongst um our generation a generation mm-hmm. that that had no experience unless you had a i mean real audiophile um sort of parents yes um and so there is this weird sort of it's hard to to draw the line on on you know what's a what's a group of posers versus <laughs> audiophiles versus uh, as as a couple of friends that I have uh when I've accused them of of being massive hipsters yeah. um uh I, recently one of them just said no I'm old this is the real deal <laughs> <laughs> if you were to think back to a favorite performance a uh, favorite show I think I know which one you're going to talk about but um, if there was one production we did during our time in school, um, doesn't have to be a production we did together where, I mean, we did most of them together, but yeah. if there was one production that you would, uh, single out as being one of your favorites, which one would it be? I think hilariously, it's not something that I, I sang at all. Um, oh. uh, it's the, at least in terms of a memory that sticks with me as a performer, um, it's the ending of Cunning Little Vixen. Um, which which I, I I was singing uh, Badger Priest, um, yeah. in that show, and uh, it's uh, it's about the last ten minutes of the show, um, with it's just it's just Forrester um, singing, yeah. um, and as my uh, the blocking for my character had me crossing the stage at that moment um, mm-hmm. uh, as the Badger, um, and it's a beautiful beautiful moment. It's beautiful music. I I love Janacek. Um and uh, that, to me, is a moment that so clearly sticks in my head. Um, and, you know, I wasn't even singing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's in those kinds of moments where you actually have a second to really appreciate what you're doing. Um, yeah, totally. I know for me, I mean, uh, the one piece that I always go back to, and it's not the whole opera, Um um, and it's like as cliche as it sounds, um, the final scene in Carmen uh, between mm-hmm. Don Jose and Carmen, that just that the, the depending on who's performing it, um, the orchestra always sounds great. I mean, every single orchestra I've, I've listened to doing the piece has sounded fantastic. It's because they, pl- they played it uh, 20 times in their lifetimes. 
I mean, that's definitely the case. Just but depending, it on <laughs> depending on who's singing it, it it um it has the ability to send chills down your spine and make you feel things that uh, and if you don't feel, you're probably dead inside. Um, <laughs> no offense to those who are dead inside listening to this. <laughs> Okay, so I want to I want to track, uh, change track for a second. Um, for those of you listening, Duncan is also an active member of uh, the local and provincial uh, levels of government, um, from volunteering to actually being part of staff of a successful uh, campaign. Um, so he knows, or he 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 he's very familiar with the ins and outs of um, what government looks at. Um, when they're deciding on funding for the arts. And I just want to touch on this. Um, there's no reason to to divulge your political affiliations, Duncan, at all. Um, that is a personal matter. But I wanted your point of view, especially in the world we live in today, never mind the pandemic that we're facing. Um, what are some things that you you think can help? What are some things that if you were if you were to... Um, have a second to talk to a political leader about what they could do for the arts community, for the musicians community of musicians. What would help them through this difficult time? I think it's 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 funny because my answer, and I, I should say, you know, like I I don't currently have I have friends that are in government, but I don't currently have any particular um, personal connection or sway or or <laughs> ability to affect policy in any sort of meaningful of way. Um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, there are absolutely things that, you know, in general, we should be doing to support the arts. But I mean, right now, um, governments should be doing to support the arts um, as companies. I mean, this is this is going to be a long haul for companies um, and, f- and for organizations um, performing, you know, performing arts, especially um, because of the nature of mass gathering is going to be the last thing to, to come back. Um, and so at least that's, you know, me, me regurgitating the words of, of public health officials and, and looking forward, I think it's uh, very <laughs> unlikely that's, that's what it's going to happen last, right? We're yeah. going to see a slow, gradual shift back into, into society. And, you know, regardless of what that transition looks like in the right now, the, the, the thing I would say is what artists need is the same thing that, um, everyone else needs, <laughs> mm-hmm. like they need a, they need a way to pay their rent. <laughs> yes. Um, they need a way to pay for food. They need, um, assurances that they're, they're going to be healthy. And if they get sick, they're going to be taken care of. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's, that in and of itself is, is a political question and a policy question in terms of what's, what's dealt with at a larger scale. The regardless of what the demand for going out into public and seeing something in a theater is going to be, um, there is there is right now and will continue to be a huge demand for art um, because it's a means of interpreting what what our We're all feeling. world is. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And and artists do that in any number of ways. You know, fine artists, writers, and and painters do that. Um, in in a means of capturing thoughts and putting it down um musicians do that in in writing music or performing music 
um, actors do that, probably in the most sort of um, ephemeral way of all, and also in such a means of of needing uh, an audience. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, the the performing artists who who really can only ever do their work, um, you know, with material in front of them, and I think that's true of of a lot of professional musicians and who are, who don't compose their own work um, and actors who don't compose their own work um, and dancers who don't compose their own work um, are all going to have that experience right now where um, there is a desire to perform, but, but not necessarily an avenue. Um, it's going to be a challenge, but to be honest, I think if you ask me like, what do artists need right now? I'm the same thing that everybody else does. That's fair. I mean, we're all, we are all in the same boat, um, in essence. Um, but the thing that I keep thinking about, I mean, in terms of artists and and musicians is not so much, um, what we may need on top of what everybody else is getting or in, in terms of that uh, equal nature, but it's, it's a matter of, um, making sure that, that, that policymakers have that understanding that although, um, everybody is equal. Uh, there are vast inequalities within our general equality, and to um, to think of to think that a, a, a blanket policy will be a one fixed policy for all is not necessarily um, um, the avenue that might help um, more people. If that makes sense. Uh, so Duncan, before we cap off uh, this episode, um, I have a question I'm going to ask every single person who comes uh, and does the show. Um, what are you listening to during quarantine? Is there a particular um, piece of music that you go back to? Or is there a podcast you're listening to or a series of podcasts? Anything? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, have, I always have so many different, different things that I'm listening to always on the go. Mm-hmm. Um, right now... Uh, I am listening to not a hugely different stream than what I would normally listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, listening to um, Yo-Yo Ma play Bach um, oh. and listening to, I know, listening to, there was a re-release of, of um, a Nina Simone, um, Fodder of My Wings, which is an amazing album and kind of a wild album. Um, La, Laura Marling, just a bunch of artists have put albums out amidst this, which is fantastic. Dirty Projectors, yeah put out an EP that is brilliant. Laura Marling put out her new album. Um, uh, I think the the piece, it's not a super new album, but the the album that I, um, especially this week, have been most drawn to is is um, Chris Thiel's um, Thanks for Listening, um, which if you don't know, Chris Thiel's a, a mandolin player, and he's also the host of um, Live From Here, which is the, pod, the podcast radio show that replaced um, Prairie Home Companion. Um, oh. and, uh, he's a brilliant mandolin player, both in a sort of jazzy way, but also in like his traditional bluegrass way. Okay. Um, and, uh, the thanks for listening album is, I mean, it, f- it's one of those albums that listening to it right now feels, um, weirdly prescient about as if it was written and to be listened to in quarantine, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> not because yeah. it's like, 
uh, about being bored in your house or uh, <laughs> or like how terrible grocery shop it, shopping is. But like, <laughs> it's just it's one of those albums where the music is gorgeous um, and um, beautifully written and and really wonderfully orchestrated. And he has such a good ear for how to build orchestration of of different instruments and put them together and put together songs. Um, mm-hmm. But the lyrics of it are are just wonderful and charming and um and so so beautiful and sweet um mm-hmm. and so yeah I, I think that's that's probably the album that that most has has hit close to me in terms of in terms of current times and experiences i think we'll cap the conversation here for today um thank you uh for this it's uh there are friends in this world um, and then there are best friends, and then there are those who slowly but surely um, uh, become family and become uh, like blood. Uh, thanks for that. Thanks for helping me do this. And for those who are listening, um, Duncan um, asked me when I sent him the trailer for this. When I finished working on it, asked me if I would be if I would be interested in in him producing and helping edit with the show. And I'm beyond thankful. So. From now on, uh, I will be thanking him at the end of every show because <laughs> what you hear will be predominantly his work. Um, so thanks for that, Duncan. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs>